0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast
1: brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. This is our post-match reaction to Aston Villa's 3-0 defeat at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. And first of all, it wasn't really a 3-0 defeat game, was it? I mean, first half in particular, I thought I thought Villa were, were the better side. Um, and if you take the, the game as result value only, 3-0 looks bad, but in the context of the performance... Probably our best game of the season, in, in, in many ways. If, if you're just talking about the first half, uh, Ash, you were there, James. I know you're laughing, didn't say best performance of the season. I know it was. It silly right, when you lose, no, the it's year, absolutely. But first half, we were, we were very good. Uh, Ash, you were there. How did you see it first of all before we get stuck into the, the topics we've got coming up?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what Dean Smith said afterwards. That's our best performance of the season so far, and he ends in a 3 0 defeat. Thanks for coming, kind of thing. And yeah, that first half is incredible. I've they're really, really, really going out on the front foot. Squeezing Chelsea into mistakes. Rams him again, the highlights for me. His bold, brash. It really was, wasn't it? And then just that, that, that just seen the, the ball back and cover. It's, it's a really clever ball. Cute ball over the top. Lukaku does what he does best. It's one nil and Villa chasing the towels after that. Um, but they're still Preston. and pressed. Watkins had a couple of good chances. Mendy saved twice, didn't he, from Kanto Mings as well. And, I think I said the stack coming up on Sky Sports, I said touches in the opposition box. I think after 20 minutes, we we'll had have like 10 touches in Chelsea's box. Um, it doesn't happen at the Stanford Bridge. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. against Chelsea. Um, Champions of Europe. So for me, uh, Villa proved the point. Um, they can mix it with the best of them. I like the new system. Two, two up top, Ings and Watkins. That's going to come. Okay, didn't come off, quite come off uh, at the weekend, but that'll come. Uh, wing-backs were fine. Midfield with stand out some A lot of Douglas Luiz's work as well. Just a mistake, wasn't it? I'm sure we come to Ningsy's mistake, and you give Chelsea a second, he's going to be game over. So um, tough one to take, but lots of lots lots of positives to build on. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the Everton game now, Dan.
0: I think the first ten or so minutes until Chelsea Chelsea scored, it was a bit you know to and fro, but once Chelsea yeah. scored. It was like Villa just found another level, and then another level. I was really impressed, actually, with Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, I didn't. I don't expect to be saying that, um, but he, he seems to have come a such a long way. He seems like he's got a real fire to kind of catch up on on the last time um, missed out in England. Do he didn't uh, it? Well, England youth duty, and he missed out on the the, the last Villa game as well. So I think he's, he's looking to make up for the, for missing that. And he was really good. If you look at the player, he was up against Sal, mm. you know. Jacob Ramsey versus he shouldn't even, it's, just a, it's a joke. He looked like he was like knocking around in, like, you know, um, school playground, Perry Beach. He's like, great bar, just, you know, <laughs> racing past people. He, he wasn't, at, you know, he, he was there having a great time. And I think yellow card was deserved for him, but it really killed his game as well, because he looked impressive physically. And then he had to take more uh, advanced role. If he could have done the, a bit of both, maybe we could have had a bit more. But um, I'm sure we'll come on to the referee later. Probably the fairest <laughs> yellow card he, he gave out of the day. I think it stunted him a little bit and obviously it led to him coming off later, which was a, a bit of, you know, it was deflating mm. um, for Villa at that point. But yeah, it was, a, it was a tough one to swallow. You know, you can't argue with the goals <laughs> at all, but you can argue with the fact that Villa played great football against a team that's virgin on the elite and in their house as well. You know, you, yeah. you've got to beat Chelsea, man. You've got to be at your best. And Villa weren't. They didn't even have Martinez or, you, you, you know, they didn't have Wendia. You know, Bailey was on the bench. That's not even their best team or best formation, and that you play Chelsea off the park. But it's another moral victory, and we should be past that point now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly can't give them a goal, can you? you, you no. You've got to be ten out of ten game, and Villa were, you know, first half were an eight out of ten, nine out of ten were very good in that first half. But a cutting through ball to, to open scoring and a ninety-seven million goal scorer puts a goal away like. Shock, horror. That's his job, isn't it? That's what they yeah. brought him to do. Um, and then, as we say, we'll get on to the Ming thing later. Just on Ramsey, quickly, I'm again, we are talking in a previous podcast about COVID and how that might affect them. <laughs> Didn't affect them at all, did it? They were probably the two best players on the pitch.
2: Mm. You've got to go back a couple of podcasts as well. And it, used to, um, it feels not good enough. We need to spend well, Oh yeah, true. Um I think Jacob Ramsey could save Villa a fortune here. I, I, I did note down in pre-season, he, he looked much bigger and... Um, in mm. stature. He's, he's really a size now. Like a boxer, like his old man, kind of stature. <laughs> um, he was gliding past Chelsea at the, at the bridge. And that's, that's going to build build his confidence. He, he can go to Stamford Bridge and, <laughs> and give Saul the run around like he did. And that's going to bode well. So, he backs up his, his, his Newcastle performance with another one at Chelsea. And let's see what he can do this season. Really good start from Ramsey. Likewise, McGinn. He's back to his best now. He always plays well at Stamford Bridge. And um yeah, I thought he was very good as well, so I don't know what fans we thinking listening to this a C- couple of weeks ago. The midfield wasn't good enough. I think I think Ramsey McGinn have stepped up to the plate big time. And uh, there's options in there now. Morgan Santon was back in mm. back amongst the squad, so that's another option there. He will be like a new signing kind of thing, as cliche as that sounds. I like Douglas Breezy's work, I've said that. And they got Nikamba to come in for the, for the games, horses for courses, where Villa aren't expecting to have too much of the ball. The does can do what he do, it does, so... Uh, Options there, and um, I think Jacob Ramsey, yeah, it could save Villa millions there, mate.
1: I don't imagine Jacob Ramsey will start 35, 38 Premier League games, to be honest. Um and I think if, if James Ward-Prowse was available for 35, 40 million in the summer, just can he would mm. be Villa's midfielder now and would, would be starting in there. But mm. rather than settle for option D or option E and and, and put 15 million on somebody else, they've trusted Jacob Ramsey and said, right, go and start games in the Premier League at, at your age. And, and he, he's done very well to him, to be fair. And a big part of that is John McGinn improving a lot from last season as well. So at the moment, that midfield does look a, a lot more improved than it was. And as you said, Ash, we were all panicking about it a few weeks ago. And at the moment, oh. it's the least of our concerns, isn't it? Three five two surprised, surprised people. Patrick Rowe in our preview actually said, yeah, we should go with 3-5-2 yeah. and match Chelsea. And I said, oh, think Smith won't change. What are you talking about, mate? And, uh, <laughs> absolutely proved prove, prove wrong at half four on, uh, on Saturday evening. <laughs> um, to be fair, the three five two 5 2 worked very well, especially in that first half. Um, I, think, I think Smith's got it. I know we've lost the game, but Smith's got it pretty spot on in the sense that he, he's matched Chelsea, he's changed his system. And if it's not for you know, a clinical finish up front, a very good goalkeeper for Chelsea at the back as well, you know, Villa had some chances uh, and mings mistake. It could be a very different game we're talking about. However, 3-5-2, is that a long-term solution? Because how you fit Buendia, Bailey, Trezeguet, Toreore, El whichever of the wingers you want to pick, how you fit those two in, into that system they don't go, do they? And Phil haven't spent sixty millions worth on, on bailing Brendier for them to be sub-players. Sub
0: that three five two is difficult because I think there's always going to be an element that revolves around the signing of Danny Ings and how we can, I guess a crowbar isn't the right word, but how you can fit him in because you don't spend the money and pay the player for them just to be an option they've got to be the guy so when you've got that and ollie watkins it's it's always going to be a headache for dean smith and i don't know if three five two or five three two or any kind of variation on a, on a back three or back five is kind of the way to go forward or if it was just situationally to, to match up with chelsea but in my opinion it worked for almost everyone by the player it was probably built around to fit in he was Danny Ings yeah um he was really 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 quiet if you look at the kind of shot creating actions kind of the involvement in in the shooting he was like non-existent so he didn't make a shot at all if you compare that with kind of Ollie Watkins John McGinn they made four each Danny Ings didn't make one he Mm. didn't have a he had a single shot but what's really encouraging is Chelsea, their top player, was Callum Hudson at in terms of the um, shots created. He had four. Um, Villa had four from two players, and then three from Jacob Ramsey and three from Douglas Luiz. So everyone was getting involved, even Tyron Mings with, 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 with you know, chance creation. People were getting involved. Yeah. Um, it was just the guy that it was built around, kind of. I, I, not in the same sense of building the team around Jack Greaves, but you that formation is clearly there to fit in a second striker or more of a, you know, a, a deeper striker like Danny Ings and his impact was negligible. And I don't know if we'll say that often about Danny Ings because he's already made a massive, massive impact for Villa so far. Yeah. But in a match where you needed a striker to score, it was Watkins doing all that. And the guy who was, you know, your creator, your scorer, the, the, the main guy essentially isn't involved in any aspect bar pressing, um, which it's it's disappointing, but it's one you take on the chin, I think.
1: What did you make of that formation,
2: Ash? Yeah, yeah. James raised some good points about Danny Ings. Now uh, uh, I'll be watching him closely in, in the upcoming weeks because he hasn't had a he hasn't had two goals in four games. He's won in two already, but he hasn't done too much in terms of goal involvement. He, I mean, the ball's quick against Newcastle, basically won it, and moments of magic he's come up with. So, yeah, watch Danny Ings closely the next couple of weeks. See where he fits in. He might come out the team this weekend. We don't know. Um, but yeah, the formation itself. And I asked Smith about trying to get in your Baileys and your, your Bertrand Jorais and how you're going to fit them in. He said it's horses for courses. He said he, 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 he has the luxury to fit the system when he wants to now and yeah. to keep the opposition guessing. He mentioned that as well. He said Tuchel expected him to play two sixes, like they always do, and they basically played two eights, pushed them right up, and uh, Charles could deal with that. And I think I think McGinn made some t- uh, telling comments as well. He said "We targeted Saul, Saul, his first Premier League start, the targets in him, got really good success out of him. And then half-time, what does Tuchel do? on Jorginho, he, he steadies it down a little bit and mm. Chelsea win the game. So, yeah, it's going to be, keep, keep an eye on the tactics. It's going to be um, really intriguing to see how it pans out. I think Villa will, will switch systems quite a lot this, this season. I can see that happening. When Bailey came on against Chelsea, he, play, he came on centrally, which, which surprised <laughs> yeah. me a little bit. He came on like central midfield kind of thing, a bit, a bit further forward. I thought, like, oh, really going for it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I'm was really impressed with Bailey. A lot, a lot of people said yeah, to me, too. I didn't see too much of him. But close cut of the press bench at Stamford was really close to the pitch. Just his feet. I mean, he didn't give the ball away too many times. He's twisting really Rudiger inside out. Meg Alonso really he really enjoy, enjoyed himself in that <laughs> half an hour he had. Um, so I'm really, really excited about him. He could play as a nine, you know. Ings comes out and Bailey could play up there. I've got no problems with that. We've yeah. said that before as well. So... There's options are plenty and it's down to the man who's paid the books to do so. Dean Smith to get the to find the right formula. Well,
1: um, one of the sorry Ash, one of the biggest criticisms that, that Dean Smith gets thrown at him over the last three years pretty much is a, is an over reliance on Jack Grealish and an over-reliance on one system. Exactly that. And and we've we've not played the same way in any game this season so far and, and we've went into a three at the back formation to match up a potential Premier League champion this season it does show tactical flexibility from Smith. So you know, it's a, it's a, in in one essence, it's a good a- a headache to have. How uh, we're sitting here going, how do you fit Danny Ingsy and how do you fit Emi in and Leon Bailey, ninety millions worth pound uh, ninety million pounds worth of signings this summer. But you've got to find a way to fit him in because we've signed those players to replace Jack Grealish, and two of those three don't even play yesterday. I know Bundy not not available, but you know, it, again, he doesn't really fit into a three five two five two either. So again, it's a it's a good headache for them to have and. I don't know whether it'll be as simple as playing a 4-3-3 at home and a, a three at the back system away, but having a, having that flexibility to change it up is only a good thing for them, I would assume.
2: job now is to keep keep players happy as well, being in and out of the side, mm. which I suspect they will be. But I think they're going to going to keep the opposition guessing and they're going to so try and outthink out opposition managers and Weak um, weaknesses. Everton this weekend as well. So, yeah, really interesting. I like, I like the, like the set-piece angle as well. I studied mm-hmm. the set-pieces at the weekend. They're just causing Mayan in Chelsea box. Cash launching it in. The, the look for the, um, Ezra concert every single time from uh, deep free kicks. McGinn was whipping in. concert got a lot of first contact, so a bit unfortunate. But that double save for Mendy came from a, from a set-piece mm-hmm. as well. And McGinn, McGinn's corner is really interesting as well. He, he whips it straight at the keeper. Um and Mendy was flapping a little bit. So that set piece angle with Austin McPhee in now as well. That, that I think it's just I think Villa were keeping opposing teams guessing kind of thing and mm-hmm. how, how they're gonna play out. So yeah, you just want to see that that works as well. And I think we need to get the best out of Ings and Watkins as well, which we, we tasked with uh, Aaron Danks, the new stri- striker coach.
0: So interesting to see kind of the same routine and um, be brought up at set pieces because I think Danny Murphy on match of the day went you know it's just them chucking it in essentially uh... to paraphrase just them chucking it into a box but you see when you see it once you know it, it's just a thing but you see over and over it's you know looking for cons or looking for minks to knock it down yeah. all the time because they will they will oh, like not 100% of the time but they got really strong chances of beating people to the ball and it's it's unstoppable in essence, sense yeah. the only thing that stops it is kind of the chaos that follows after which is the design of it is to yeah, kind I mean. of break down that tactic so it's really interesting to kind of see us commit to it because you, can you really defend it no it defends itself almost in in how the chances of, you know how up to luck it can be um but if you you know you have to challenge to Ming's own you can to a ball yeah. do you win it you know it's yeah. really difficult it changes the way the defenders
1: have to think as well. Because one of the Chelsea guys just smashed out for a throw in early on, and I thought we've got a long throw in our in our, in our game now. That's a, yeah, it's as good as just whacking it out for a corner for no reason. So it's something else for them to think about, knowing that oh, I can't just blast this out into the stands here because Villa are dangerous from from ins as well.
0: I think it's um, better than a corner. Like, oh, yeah, I think that's sure. how I feel because, like, a corner. I think it's underrated how hard a corner can be to take. In the Premier League, like you've got to get it over the first guy, but enough dip, you know, it has got a curve away from the keeper. You can just like chuck it off someone's head, like you know, with and the angles different. So I feel like Villa have got a real weapon there. And we've said it before, but you no, know, it didn't come off against Chelsea, but it, it, in a sense, it did because the threat that it provided and the chances it made, mm. we were already making from open play as well. So, you know, there's a lot of positives to take there, like on and off the ball. Yeah, we
1: talk about small margins in football as well, don't we? If that's the, a small margin that wins you a game, then it's absolutely worth worth sticking with them. You know, if Milo's double safe and Mendy doesn't go in, and it's Villa that score on the forty seventh minute rather than Chelsea, and it goes one all, then maybe we're talking about a very different game. Um, we'll talk about that forty seventh minute incident now with with Tara Mings. It's been the the big. Kind of subject on social media since since the game, Mings has since come out on social media social media sorry and, and apologized for his sloppy back pass. Um, first of all, before we get stuck into the actual technicalities of what he's done, does he did he need to apologize? Is that something he felt like he had to do?
2: No, not for me. Uh, didn't do it on purpose, did he? So just unfortunately, mm. he, he showed his hands up. Smith asked Smith about that as well. How was Mings in the dressing room? He basically, apologized to the lads as well. It happens in football, doesn't it? what Ollie, Ollie Watkins missed two chances. The one where you round him, and he should have done better. That no one speaks about that. And then because Mings messes up for a goal, the game's over, isn't it? So yeah, um, for me, doesn't need to apologise. Mings just Mings done. He's, he's incredibly in the village, isn't he? Over the last however long he's been there now, so. No, he's fine, fine on my behalf,
1: Dan. It's very kind of black and white with Tyra Mings, whether you're on his side or you're against him, is what it feels like on social media anyway. And I'm obviously on the, the camp of I'm with Tyra Mings here. I'm defending my club captain, essentially. Like, I'm not going to say, people have said, does he deserve to be dropped? Should he not be the captain anymore? How is he in England International? He's a liability. He's a joke. I don't agree with any of those kind of things. He's he's made a sloppy back pass, and we conceded uh, off the back of it. Ultimately, in a game, we are already losing against, against Chelsea, which no one expects us to get anything out of anyway. And I'm not using that as an excuse because, yeah, it still was poor. There's a difference between people abusing him, which I've seen on social media as well, and being able to criticise his performance or, or a mistake. But some of the things that you, say, that you see written saying, oh, he's got a mistake in him every game, he's cost us so many points, he's made so many errors since in his time at Villa. I don't think any of that's true. It doesn't cost us points every game. He got an nice. assist and a clean sheet against Newcastle two or three weeks ago. So he won us points. <laughs> Bit about
0: game. the goal as well, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know I mean, so, yes, I understand it was, a, it was a mistake and it's frustrating, but I'm not going to pin it, you know, us losing the game on, on one man who's, who's now our captain and, and has done a lot of good for Villa. Um, how did you assess the actual incident, James? Because... Again, I've seen people trying to excuse Tyrone Mings. saying, well, maybe Twanzaby's pass wasn't great or nah. Steer didn't come out as quick as Martinez might have. And they're all if, but and maybe. Yeah, maybe if you add all those together, maybe Martinez does come out quicker and deal with that or Twanzaby's pass is slightly better and, and onto Mings' stronger foot so he can take a touch earlier. It's, it's little moments that, that maybe do change that incident, but ultimately Mings' pass was poor, it was sloppy and that, that has led to a goal. Is that how yeah. you saw it or, or, or were there all other things at play there?
0: No it was look it's a, it, it, it's a bad pass but you know it wasn't des- it wasn't designed in his head to be a bad, bad pass it was an instinctive pass he's done it without essentially thinking he's done it based on kind of the system that Villa have played where you pass it back and that keeper's already rushing off his line it's a new keeper it's just yeah, obviously the pass wasn't perfectly played to begin with nobody's reacted it to it in the way they probably should have done. Um, but then, then again, if they did, if if Steer raced off his line quicker, would he have cleared it before Kovačić broke through? I don't think so. Um, but the argument is there to be made that nobody reacts to a Ming's mistake like Ming's reacts to everyone else's mistakes So yeah, it's a bad pass. Um sailed the game away for us. Um there's arguments to be made for all sorts of things, but it was a You know, that's that's the instance when it deflates. And Mings knows that. You see the reaction. He's already up in arms against himself about it. He's not pointing fingers. Nobody's pointing the finger at him. But then you see a situation kind of later on where Kanz is mugged off, like, on the halfway line, like in no man's land. It's breaking through. Mings is the one covering the mistake.
2: Mm.
0: What's, you know, we don't have the, you you don't have a stat for how many mistakes, like say how many times Emmy Martinez has bowed out someone. You don't have a stat for that. You don't have a stat for how stand many times Konza's bowed at Mings, how many times Mings has bowed out Konza. But you know, the proof is when Mings makes a mistake, he's usually the covering defender. He's usually the last man standing. If he makes a mistake, it's going to be worse than anyone else on the team because of the position he plays. But with me saying all that, that's not a justification of it. It's just kind of the explanation the take. Maybe if Martinez is there, it's something they always do, and he knows he's already racing off his line to clear it. It's not a problem. It's something that stays under
1: hit though. Even if, yeah, if Martinez it's... has got to be on it to to get onto it, it's still under hit it.
0: It's always going to be a problem with Villa playing like that, it's always going to be a problem with Villa making mistakes across the pitch with them not being you know being a non elite team. Any sport, a team that isn't elite is gonna make a lot of mistakes because of the teams they're playing against and the way you know, their ambitions. You're you're always gonna make mistakes because of these ambitions. You can punt the ball all the time. You can play 4-4-2 and you know have the big man knock it down and play risk free. What does that like like win you? Um the way Villa wanna play is going to cause mistakes. I saw a tweet saying that if timings doesn't make the old mistake here and there, it wouldn't be playing for Villa. I remember obviously writing with Ash on, on, on Villa like probably a year and a half ago. And you're talking John Stone's been bunged off to West Ham because he's not getting a game because he's crap. Mm. And now, you know, these English defenders, Harry Maguire, if you want to talk about mistakes, you can see compilations of Harry Maguire getting spun time after time in the same game by Mo Salah. <laughs> These things happen like, and it's just we might not be looking for them with the hyperfixation that we do on Tyrone Mings. Things happen. Tyron Mings led lead the league in errors, depending on a certain definition of an error. It could be you miss a challenge or miss a header, rather than underhit the pass back. Um, you, you know, so you can't excuse it. But errors happen all the time in English football because it's not the game isn't set up for defenders to have a comfortable time. It's you know it's set up for attackers to run at them constantly. So you know attackers have, have never been better than they are now. They've never been as fast as they are now. They've never been as smart as they are now, that there's a lot going against being a defender. Doesn't excuse it, but it's really hard to do the job that a John Stones, Harry Maguire, Tyra Mings, or any centre-back pairing in the Premier League does. Um, but you saw it against Karen Wilson. Um, got pushed off, didn't play to the whistle. Always going to be concerns, mate. Um, I don't know how you feel, Dorash, about about the whole thing.
2: I think Villa are a stronger team with Mings in it. Bottom line, I've yeah. um, seen that throughout lockdown. I think Courtney Horse coming to the side against um, Palace and Villa struggled and against Brentford, Mings at the team. Tony was given space, wasn't he? He scored, so whose mistake was that? It's one of them. Isn't it? For, for me, I think Mings is the leader. I think Villa need him in the side. Nine, nine games out of ten, I think Mings is on point and he's, he's, he's really good. So, um, no issues with made It's a mistake. He'll learn from it. If the ball comes to him in that, that situation again, I think he'll know what to do this time. Um,
1: the, the, the counter argument to that, sorry, has to put in is that, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to play the card of people that yeah. are against Mings yeah. here. I know that we can't, we haven't got the comments here with us. I can see people saying you're defending him too much is what people say to the to the three of us because we're all Mings here. Yeah? So I'm trying to put Mings out essentially argument across. Yeah. They'll say that he doesn't learn from it and that he's done it a few times before. So. That's his problem. The, the old mistake is fine. We all make mistakes. We're all human. You know, us feel we'll make a mistake on this podcast and you know, the rest of our work day, and it's only 11 o'clock on Monday. Yeah. We're all normal people that make mistakes. The, the argument that people say is that he's made these mistakes and hasn't learned from them. So, is that the issue here that, that he might make that again? And then that's, that's why people don't want him in the side.
0: I know we say it's sailed the game away but there's also an element where Villa just didn't score anyway. (laughs) So so you have to look at the stuff that's happening up front and you could say, yeah, Villa are always in that game. Chances are they never even ever score in that match. You know, it wasn't looking likely there. There's missing passes. I think Ings to Watkins, there's chances that are not going to be recorded on an expected goals match because a shot didn't register. I think the most famous example is Gascoigne Slide. You know, i I Forget when that when that was, but it's your clear-cut chance across the box. Slides and misses it. It's not a shot. It's an open goal. It goes down as a massive expected goals register back in the day, if the, if the stat was recorded. <laughs> because it was a shot. Because it wasn't a shot, it's not recorded as a chance. So you don't have you know, any bar of that. So Villa had, had that happen a few times. Not essentially missing an open goal, but you had the chances where if the ball had hit the feet and if a shot had taken, you were then dominating and they were already making plenty of chances and they weren't taken. Mm. You You just, you heap pressure on your defense. If you don't take chances, it's a team game. You know, you can't, you know, it's a whole fluid unit. And if they're not taking chances at the top, there's pressure going to be at, you know, at the back essentially. So it goes swings and roundabouts. We spoke about Brentford a minute ago when Tory Mings went playing and there was a mistake. Funnily enough, that isn't registered as an error. Mm-hmm. in the in the stats chart where people are beating Tori Mings with and fair play you know you't the numbers to back it up but the context is a clear error happening against brentford not recorded as an error what's so, the definition of an error what, <laughs> essentially what's, what's the
1: opposite of an error as well what is the stat that that registers a you know, timings nudges someone at a corner to put the strike off, getting a header away and, and stops a goal that way. I know that's a minor example, but that's not a, a stat that we register. So you can find things on both sides to say this is why he shouldn't be in the team. This is why he should. Um, final word I want to get from from, from you, Ash, and, and on this topic, really, because I know that we're probably going to get too bogged down on it. Is the words that come that with these performances that it's always a mistake in him? He's a liability, stuff like that. Is he a liability to Aston Villa?
2: Not at all, no. Um, Should
1: he be dropped? Should he not be captain?
2: No, he's a pillar of strength for me, for the for the lads out there. You ask his teammates to go to the field, ring, they want means with them. Um, yeah, I think he's fine for me. Um, I think this weekend against Everton, though, I think I think Dean, Dean Smith could bring in Courtney Horse, you know, because he, he always brings Horse in for, in the games where he's expecting long balls, you burn his against Chris warden and Calvert-Lewin this weekend. Horse could come in, I think, perhaps to... and Four no, I think I think Means sticks in, sticks in there. I think he's like a like a lieutenant for Smith, isn't he? Uh, Toro Means. I think I think he's well liked. He's favoured. He's a skipper, and um, he performs. do do deep. I think I think Smith will take him out the side. Um, but it's up to Means now to bounce back after that mistake and put in a, a, a commanding display. So yeah, I've got, I could see horse coming in this weekend, for perhaps to and beat to to go and um, try and stop Calvert Lewin winning balls in the air. I can see that happening. I think Ming's is a big part of Villa's set pieces going forward now as well. I think Villa took all three centre centre-halves in the box against Chelsea. So he's adding to that he's adding to his arsenal that way as well. So um is Mings a liability? not for me. Um but from time to time there is a Rick. Like there like, is it lot. Like, like, there's a Rick in every player. Like James said, John Stone's got a Rick in him. But um and others, Maguire the same. Defenders do have a mistake in them. A lot of the time, because they're under pressure, um, and they're coming up against the best league and uh, um, best strikes in the world. And what well, Villa did defended okay uh, at the bridge. I mean, Lukaku had t- two shots; he scored two, <sighs> obviously. Yeah. But um, they did uh, nullify that threat, when they, when, for large parts. I mean, they, they, they outshot Chelsea, eighteen to twelve, was it? I mean, <laughs> so they, they did all right in that, in that respect. But just Lukaku's clinical edge and just that mistake killed the game. So I think Mings stays in the team this weekend and there could be a change with Horse coming in.
0: I think the most important thing to be said is that he's not he's not a liability because Villa weren't... The, the fights were completely conspiring against Aston Villa. <laughs> I get it when it happened against Fulham. It's happened a few times, hasn't it? But against Fulham, I think you saw the perfect reaction in Mings gives away the really silly goal and then he is the complete inspiration for... The comeback after yeah. that. So, the mentality you can't you can't exchange what that brings to the team, but you also can't forgive the mistakes. They're always going to happen with the level kind of out and the player that they can they can buy and bring to the club. But you look at Chelsea and there's three mistakes com- committed by each member of that central defence in varying le- level of how horrendous that mistake is. You have Conza giving the ball away. It's covered. You have Transebi being completely stood up by Lukaku. Whether that's a mistake is completely up for debate, but people say, could he have had more assistance? Was it was it a mistake on another defender or was it on Transebi? Completely up for that. And of course you've got Minks passing back, but you know, you, you look at all these things and we can have the debate constantly, but at the end of the day, he's picked for England for a reason. He's picked for Aston Villa for a reason And that's because people in these camps know a lot more than us about the type of player Tyron Mings is and what he brings to a team. The kind of armchair analysis of defenders has never been brilliant. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't know how you would kind of judge them at the same standards as the the England kind of data analysis or the the Villa data analysis. um, Because, Defensive metrics, to my eyes, are poor and they don't tell a story. Josh Onama kind of led tackles for Villa in loads of games. What does that even say? You know, <laughs> what what do you, you you get from? Do you get that Josh is the best defender in the squad? You you don't. You you probably get that he loses loses the ball loads. So I don't know what you get. People say brought up Courtney Horse. He wins all the aerials. Man plays a game and Villa have never looked poorer defensively mm. because of the organisation. Oh, and
1: that's the, that's the like oh, again. I'm sorry to keep boiling in. The, right. the overreaction on social media, I, I tweeted saying, oh, as soon as it happened, I was like, we're in for another night of timing slander then. And people go going, he deserves it. He <laughs> <It> doesn't. <laughs> Let's just get <laughs> out of the way first of all. Deserves criticism of a back pass that was under yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and excuse him and say, oh, he's, a, he's a brilliant world-class defender because he isn't. That was a mistake. I'm, I'm absolutely on board with that. I agree. It cost us points against Chelsea, potentially. As you said, James, we didn't even score. Does he deserve abuse online? Absolutely no. not. Does he deserve abuse in the stadium? Should he be dropped from the team? No. Should he be dropped as captain? No. Should he be dropped from England? Arguably not. That's a different story. I don't really care about England to a lesser extent. But I just don't. I just don't agree with some of the stuff that that will come off the back of this. That he should be dropped and that he's a liability and he's a joke and he should be yeah. near the team and stuff. Last night about I was getting tweets about his mental health. Uh, like someone was yeah. tweeting me saying, "Oh, he must have missed his sports psychologist appointment last night." It's like, What are you talking about? I think that that kind of thing doesn't doesn't go hand in hand with. Well, with anything really, but he's made a mistake in a football pitch, on the football pitch, and that's as far as it goes. You want him to balance back from that. There doesn't need to be this big, massive witch hunt on on the on the back of it.
0: We're not in control of of Aston Villa's kind of selection and transfer policy. People like to think that we are, but if you get on Mings' back, in a, I don't think ever probably happen at, at Villa Park, but it's certainly happened on social media. If you get on his back, it's gonna start. Affecting not him, not just him, but Dass and Villa Camp. You know, you've seen player Henry Lansbury and Am Al Ghazi completely sack off social media and Al Ghazi became like a really kind of integral part of the squad. Um, you know, whilst they're in a villa shirt, I think it's really important to back them, not avoid the criticism, but certainly not abuse them. You know, I think we've talked crit- about this so many times now, it shouldn't be a yeah, really talking point. The criticism has to be balanced and fair, you know, if you're not you know if you're hyper fixating on what mings does you're missing a lot and that's not to say like everyone's committing the same amount of mistakes as mings it's just it's really weird for to see the reaction of mings and then people say when you are against mings oh you've opened your eyes almost like you've taken like you know on the, on the matrix like and you've slimed <laughs> the, the other level it's not it's just it's absolute bias and almost a, like a complete delusion to 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 hyper fixate on a single player's mistakes because it is 11 players and it all that that error isn't just a single moment it's a lot of stuff kind of that's built up you know for training and the system is is, is that back pass met you know played and then under hit because of certain reasons we don't know but what we do know is we certainly shouldn't be going straight on social media and saying like really not just like oh that was crap and you you were rubbish like really awful stuff that like you say like it, it does have an impact mate
1: from, from a footballing perspective, I know you just said Ash about my horse could, could do a job against Everton. People saying, oh, I'll get Courtney Hawes and they'll drop Mings. You're talking about dropping your club captain for your fourth choice centre back. From a footballing perspective, does that improve the side playing Courtney Hawes instead of Tara Mings? I don't think it does.
2: Do you reckon Villa will Mr. John Terry's impact this season? I, I think only four four teams mm. have conceded more than Villa so far for the four games. I, I can't see Villa getting close to 15 clean sheets this season based on no. their output already. So, yeah, depending yeah. on Terry's. Um, departing, we felt, uh, amongst you, Mings' his concerts and, and whatnot. And Shakespeare's the more defensive coach out, out of Smith's background team now. So it'd be interesting to see how they move forward with it. I think, like, like everyone, Mings needs to improve as well. And defensively, they need to improve as well. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, four centre centre-halves at the club now. I think mean, two of them did very well last season. Didn't they? Um, Mings and concert part of that. that, that, that that little triangle with Martinez as well. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see. Um But for me, Mings stays in the team. I think his performances have been, have been pretty, pretty sound to date. And you got, got to play well to keep your place, haven't you? That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um If Mings has another rip this weekend, then question marks will be asked. But mm. overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Mings this season. the way he started. But yeah, like you say, Dan, the horse could come in this weekend. We'll see.
1: Just uh, to end, then somebody who didn't have a sound performance this weekend was the referee Stuart Atwell. I think it was poor referees again. I don't want to keep yeah. keep bashing them on the podcast because a game not long ago we, we had to mention the the referee being poor. I think it was possibly on like the Newcastle Brentford. I can't remember which. Me and Matt spoke about it. it was, Tell the referee, say it's just a lack of consistency. I can't can't get on board with some of the things that were yellow cards for Villa weren't yellow for, for Chelsea. I just just don't know why we're dealing with these poor referees in the, in the highest level of football at this point or supposedly the best league in the world and amateurish refereeing
0: yeah Villa picked up two yellows in the first 30 minutes and Jacob Ramsey absolutely was asking for it so yeah. like you can't argue with that but there were a few challenges on the other side that weren't picked up and Villa's like yellow cards you got two in the first 30 and you got two in the last minute and one of them was Matt Target like berated like the, the referee. Yeah, uh, like, what you know, he said about him. Yeah, yeah, you could see. And, and John McGinn, to a lesser extent, probably more so picked up the yellow for his reaction, yeah. probably rather than the challenge. But, you you know, the yellow for Ramsey absolutely deserved, but you can see how it kind of, it was in Villa's thinking you had to take off Ramsey because he was probably, in the manner of the play, he was, you know, he was more cautious than he was than he started off the match, which was yeah. hampering the way he plays. Same with John McGinn. I mean, he, di- he didn't get the yellow card to, to the 90th minute, but if he picks up a yellow 60 minutes, it's going to hamper the way he plays. Chelsea didn't pick up a yellow into the 61st minute, which was Marcus Alonso. And by then, I'm not saying they should have had three or four. They should have had a yellow before then because yeah. mm-hmm. same type of challenges. Both teams are right and both teams were very fair, but very aggressive and very rough. You know, the, the biggest foul, again, you know, hands on from Jacob's Ramsey, but it happens both sides and it wasn't getting picked up and it stunts the flow of the game negatively for Villa because they've got two players on the booking who are aggressive. You know, Mm -hmm. got Mings, Ramsey, who have to alter how they approach the game on a yellow and it affects a lot of Villa's game plan. They managed without it, but Chelsea didn't have to worry about that. They didn't have to worry about anything. You know, the, the, the flow of the game went completely their way. Maybe it's something Villa have to learn. Maybe they have to go, right, we can't just play the way we want to all the time because of different referees. I don't know if that's right, but certainly it's a condition you probably need to adapt to. You probably can't be this team on the front foot, <laughs> on the press all the time if referees simply aren't going to let you play. It's not right, but, you know, you suffer for it.
2: I was mentioning about the, the press bench at Chelsea. So close to the dugout, it's, it's quite quite good watching Smith reacting to all giving the fourth official loads um (laughs) did he say anything anything about
0: juggling balls this time
2: (laughs) no no, he's less less enough that one um, I don't know if he even said that I feel like he said so like it was a bit more
0: like you know effing and blinding from the TV rather than than what he said
2: (laughs) it was yeah um yeah uh, he was on the the fourth official um he he said like what Charles McMahon and Watkins all game that's the same one and and stuff mm. like that. I think Rudiger was giving Ings loads as well. And Ings, Ings went to the liner and said, Have a watch, watch that. Yeah, so it was going on both, both sets. Um, and in the end, like, like James says, McGinn and Target just had enough of it by the end of the bookings yeah. and really frustrating one. Um, Charles got a lot of favorable decisions to say the least. So, yeah, Stuart Atwell was the man, and we'll see when he when, uh, officiates Villa again, hopefully, <laughs> not, not, not too, um, not in the too distant future. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's Monday as we're recording this we'll be doing some kind of Everton preview on, on Friday afternoon I believe um, before we kick off on Saturday evening at Villa Park um, but just, just a quick one from the both Yeah, how do Villa bounce back from the, from the 3-0 defeat how do, we, how do we go out there and try and beat Everton on Saturday
2: home fans behind you you want to you win your home games did not you mm-hmm.
1: yeah
2: they need to bounce back in style last home game was a bit, a bit of a damn squad, wasn't it Ed Brentford um, didn't really play too well that day so yeah they need to back it up they've showed what they can do at the bridge against a team that's going for the title this season so why can't they do it against Everton and hopefully have more joy um, and have more chances I'm guessing so and we'll see what the system is prior to kick off no doubt Smith will kick us all guessing um, so we'll see what he goes with and it'll be an intriguing watch and like, like James said earlier in the podcast I'll see more Danny Ings get, get him involved a little bit more um, get, 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 him, get, get the chances falling his way and yeah, I'm sure he'll score So so yeah we'll see I think um, the squad's looking much healthier now. There's only Carney and Jaden Philogene, G. Bedoyce that, that are sidelined at present. Um, we'll see how their fitnesses are this week. Uh, Keenan Davis out to the end of the month and tries to go long term. But the, the squad's there now. Liam Bailey pushing mm-hmm. for a start as well. Bertrand Truer back fit. Um, so there's options there. So would you stick with that same same 11, Dan and James? What would you?
0: Martinez I, don't back back free, I don't even know if will play a I don't even know if he will play a back three. It's all up in the air. For once exactly. with Villa, which is exactly. really it's entertaining. Um, I think we'll go back to a
1: four-three-three at home. I think Bale exactly. will start, and I think I think Martinez will be back in there.
0: Yeah, who drops out? Ings. It's really hard when you say it like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I talking... feel like he's not gonna. Know, he's, he's, he
1: scored. He scored two in the first three, didn't he? So how, yeah, how do you drop not, him?
0: He didn't. It didn't really. It's not like he had a really, really poor, poor performance against Chelsea. It's just like. He just wasn't there, yeah. Like in 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 it with it, and you know, not unlike the, the the previous game. So it's really hard. But I just don't see them dropping Ings because he's um, he's.
1: I, I think I think Watkins might play off off Ings up front yeah. from the left and Bailey on the right. I think
0: you have Brendier coming back as well,
1: don't you? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I Sorry. don't know how you fit them all in. <laughs> this, this is not our this is not our problem to solve, is it? It's it's a no. nice
0: problem to have, um, when, and and that I've fun. got options.
2: In the
0: five changes at Chelsea, it's you know that Villa isn't it, really five changes. Hmm. Don't make um, five changes in four
1: games. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw a stat from, from who scored before the Chelsea game that Villa had used something like 22 players in the first three games, and it yeah. took us till like February to, to use that many players in, in the season prior. So, yeah, I don't know what that number's up to now. But that's 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 a problem with the, the inconsistency, isn't it? And why Villa's results haven't been four wins out of four because we're not playing the, the same team in every game. Like, yeah, that, no. that is a problem.
2: Hasn't been a settled sergeant, has that been issues? And hopefully, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what I think. Dees was getting close to his, his strongest eleven. I think mm. he's getting closer. I have seen that at the weekend. So, but I think it will change it change it quite quite often this season. I really do. And like you say, I think opposition managers will be a bit, 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 bit thrown, thrown back from from Villa. When the two two sides line up, so it bodes well. What sort they of got the weekend?
1: Well, we'll call it a day there for, for this podcast. Thanks everyone for for tuning in on this Monday morning. Thanks to Ashton Jones for, for joining me to chat all things Chelsea. We'll be back on Friday with a, an Everton preview with one of the lads from the Liverpool Echo, I believe. Um, and then yeah, we'll react on on Saturday evening when we get home from Villa Park to hopefully a, a big three points for Villa. So uh, thanks so much for watching and up the Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an
0: Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.